Welcome to the Living the Dream podcast with Curveball. If you believe, you can achieve. Welcome to the Living the Dream with Curveball podcast, a show where I interview guests that teach, motivate, and inspire. Today, I am joined by comedian Scott Edwards. Scott has owned a chain of comedy clubs. He did that for 21 years, and he has done TV, stage, and concert comedy with the best, including Garvey, Leno, and Seinfeld. So we're going to be talking to him about his career and what it was like working with those big comedians and what he's up to today. Scott, thank you so much for joining me today. Oh, Curtis, I'm so excited to be on uh, Living the Dream with you and the guest you've had. I should say, by the way, ladies and gentlemen, it's a pleasure to be here. I'm Scott. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Really not necessary, but uh, it is a thrill to be uh, doing the podcast with you, sir. I appreciate you for coming on. Why don't you take tell everybody a little bit about yourself? Oh, well, okay. I'm uh, Scott Edwards. I am a um, serial entrepreneur. I've opened over 12 companies in my lifetime. One of them was a chain of comedy clubs that uh, I started in August of 1980. When I opened, it was the 12th full-time comedy club in the entire United States. And I was able to work with some of the best in the business. I was very blessed and some of those people uh, gave me a real hand up in the industry, uh, Bob Saget, to name one, Gary Shandling, and a few others. And what I've done in recent years, just the last couple of years, Curtis, was I want to celebrate though that time in the industry. I call it on 40 years on the fringe of show business. I started a podcast, Stand Up Comedy, Your Host and MC. And I interview all the uh, old guys that uh, used to regularly perform on my stage. So it's really been fun lately doing that. That is awesome. You talked about how you are a serial entrepreneur. And and I see a lot of businesses that you started up. Just kind of tell us about some of the startups that that you've uh, worked with. Well, thanks for asking, Curtis. I started off when I was 17. I had a small construction company. After a couple of years, I uh, sold out of that, but it's still operating today. I come from the uh, 70s, so after that, I had a portable music company. Yes, I did disco, (laughs) and I did that for a couple of years, and then, as I mentioned, when I was 24, I started Laughs Unlimited, and I built that to a chain of three comedy clubs, and while I was operating that, I opened uh, two restaurants two art galleries, in addition to the three clubs, and just had a blast. And then later on, after I got a little bored, I did some strange things. Curtis, I actually owned a submarine in Monterey, and I had a beach shack, the big island of Hawaii, in Kona. So pretty diverse. What did you do with the submarine? (laughs) Well, that was one of my big financial failures. I ran it for about a year and a half, and it was already a few others in operation around the world. I own the one in Monterey and the water there was too cold and we had a problem 
with algae bloom on the windows it was a tourist submarine so people could see the sea lions and the otters and stuff like that and so we had to pay a diver to clean the windows all the time while the submarine was in operation and it just got too expensive so after about a year and a half we took our losses and we sold the submarine to the Wrigley gum family and it is still operating out of the island of Catalina in Southern California. So talk about the most famous act that has ever worked for you. Oh, that's really not possible. <laughs> Only because they all got their start. My club, when they were early in their career, I, I don't want to name drop for just the same, just for the sake of name dropping. But uh, Jay Leno was a regular at my club and did several concerts. Jerry Seinfeld worked for me for many years, and then he got the Seinfeld Chronicles. He did one year of that, and then he came back and worked for me again. And then the Seinfeld Chronicles turned into Seinfeld, and he was off to fame and fortune. Danny Carvey was a regular at my club. In fact, I was actually uh, sitting in a jacuzzi with him one night when he had just gotten the call from Lorne Michaels being invited back to Saturday Night Live, and that kicked off his fame and fortune. But Gary Shandling, Yakov Smirnov, famous Russian comic, Pat Paulson, Tommy Chong, Soupy Sales, Paula Poundstone, goes on and on, but all terrific people, all terrific, talented entertainers, and it was just a blessing to be a chance to work with them early in their career and help them develop to the stardom they gained. Speaking of Gary Shandling and Bob Saget, I saw in your bio that you have a picture of them in a dress. Why is that? <laughs> Well, I'm a little kinky. No, I'm just kidding. What it is, is Gary Shandling, my club was in a historic part of uh, Sacramento called Old Sac. And there was one of those video places where families could go in and get uh, pictures like they were from the 1800s. And Gary went in and just on a whim, got all dolled up in an 18th century hoop dress and had his picture taken and gave it to me as a gift. So I was so proud of that. I put it right up in the center of the wall in the comedy club. And about three weeks later, Bob Saget came through, saw that and didn't want to be outdone. So he went over to the place and got a picture and he was all dolled up. And this time he had gloves and a little fan and a hat and 18th century like school marm and gave me that picture as a gift. And those two pictures sat side by side on the wall of my club for uh, over a decade it was a real treat that they gave me that gift, them in a dress. Uh, it was a gift and a bit of a nightmare. <laughs> Talk about the unique comedy acts that really showcase the history of comedy. Well, you know, they're, they're got into it in the late 70s. Stand-up comedy was still more of a entertainment break for jazz bands and, and strippers and strip clubs. And it was just starting to come into its wave of popularity in 1980 when I opened my club. What was interesting, I mentioned I was the 12th club in the country in 1980. By 1986, that was like Starbucks. There was a comedy club in every corner. It was like the rock and roll of the 80s. And a lot of people got that, took that opportunity and were able to make terrific careers from being good comedy writers and good comedians. But uh, some of the uh, people that got started at my club 
He was an opening act MC for me. Carlos Alizraki, who went on to uh, TV fame on the TV show Reno 911 and then the movies. He is also a character voice actor for a lot of cartoons. And right now you can hear him on the cartoon Casa Grande. Another one was Paula Poundstone. When she first came out from Boston, she was an opening act for me and she pretty much sucked. But she was the only act in the history of my club. I let work multiple weeks in a row and she got better and better and better. And of course, went on to fame and fortune. But she is a terrific comedian and, and we were right there when she got started. When we were in the green room, you told me that you had some funny stories from Carvey, Robin Williams, and Tom Hanks. Why don't you tell us about some of those? Sure. What happened was, in, in no particular order, uh, one of the great opportunities I had was working right in the very early days of 1980. Tom Hanks had gone to Sac State, and he had his very first TV show, Bosom Buddies. And on that show, he had to do a comedy set. And he came by the club, and he worked with me for a, a week for free as an opening act. As I taught him the mechanics of being a stand-up comic, his friend and my friend, Bob Saget, did the writing for him. And in a week's time, Tom left with a five-minute comedy set that he ended up doing on the TV show Bosom Buddies a few weeks later. And I won't say that's why he's such a great actor, <laughs> but he did uh, get his comedy chops at my stage, and that was kind of fun. But what's really wonderful is getting a chance to meet and work with these guys. Being in the business opened up opportunities. For example, I got a chance to work with one of my dad's favorite comics, Pat Paulson, and you may remember him. He was the perennial running for president stand-up comic. And then also Soupy Sales came through the club from Monty Python, Graham Chapman. And these are people that I always aspired to work with and meet because I looked up to, to them as comedy geniuses. One of the most fun, and I'm, like I said, a child of the 70s, one of my favorite comedy acts was Cheech and Chong. And we had Tommy Chong at our club twice, and he autographed the Big Bamboo album to me and worked my stage. And that was just such a thrill when he played the song live on stage, Earache My Eye. I mean, I got goosebumps because here's one of my comedy heroes, and he's on my stage. So it being in that business afforded me the opportunity to interact with my heroes and help create and work with some of the future heroes of comedy. It was really a thrill. You asked about Jerry Seinfeld. He was working for me before he got the TV show Seinfeld. And he was so great at connecting with the audience because relating to the audience is kind of a secret to being a success. And he was so clean and funny and always relatable to the audience that his career didn't surprise me at all. One of the other acts you asked about was Dana Carvey, and he was a comic musician out of the Bay Area. And uh, as I mentioned, got a shot on Saturday Night Live, and that kind of took him into the future. But he did a lot of voice characterizations and stuff. But uh, it really, there's been such a wide variety of entertainment 
Uh, one quick story, Curtis, fresh out of Russia, when he first came to America, Yakov Smirnov came to work for me as an opening act. He didn't know very much English. He was learning English by watching TV. And he used to sing and dance in his shows. It was a big production. And he developed into a headliner very quickly and went on to fame and fortune is, and during the Reagan years and actually helped Ronald Reagan with a couple of his uh, speeches to Russia and was in a featured act at the uh, Correspondents' Dinner. So that was a great honor. He now has his own theater and is still doing comedy. It's, it's amazing. Some of these guys are still going strong. Jay Leno, Jerry Seinfeld, Yakov Smirnoff are still out entertaining. Well, let's switch from comedy and talk about entrepreneurship. For those out there who are looking to start a business, what advice can you give them? Well, I always think that there's a couple good things to know. Being a serial entrepreneur, I you have to be somewhat fearless. If there's something that you're passionate about and you want to open a business, do your research, study, study, and then go for it. You may fail, but hey, failures are the stepping stones to success. It's going to happen, but you have to try. And if you keep trying, you're going to find your success. One of the things that I like to teach young business owners is that if you're interested in an industry, and this is what I did in all the businesses that I opened, if, do your research, not only your nowadays you can do it online, but there was no computers back when I did it. What I did is go and talk to other people doing it. So before I opened a construction company, I went and met with a couple owners of construction companies and I asked them, how did you start? And what are the important things to know? And you know what, Curtis, people love to talk about themselves. When I went to open a comedy club, I hung out in LA in the Bay Area and talked to various club owners and club managers and lots of comics. And all that information I put together that allowed me to open my own club very successfully. But I've done that in, in other ways. When I opened a restaurant, I didn't just go in blindly. I did my research and I talked to other restaurant owners. And again, like I said, the important thing to remember is people love talking about what they're passionate about. And in most cases, that's the business they own. And they're happy to share how they got started or what are the ups, what are the downs. And you can learn so much by just talking to people. And I think that's an important thing. Well, I definitely know people like to talk about themselves by running this <laughs> podcast. So let's talk about you. Why were you so diverse in the various companies that you owned? Yeah, my wife wouldn't be happy with the answer, Curtis. I might get bored, so I'll open a business and I'll run it for a couple of years and then I'm off to my next project. And it turns out I really enjoy the excitement and energy it takes to open a business. But once it's open and I've got the staff running it, I'm not as needed so I go on to the next project, and, and that can be terrifying to my family. <laughs> but for me, it I had a lot of creative juices, and it allowed me the opportunity to experiment. You know, I didn't make a lot of money owning art galleries, but it, I really love art, and it helped me appreciate it and, and learn about it. The Beach Shack in Hawaii I was young and single, and there was nothing like working the beach shack and having a beach full of uh, 
beautiful young ladies in bikinis in front of me. So there, there was always, wasn't always about money, Curtis. Sometimes you just got to do things for fun. Well, give us the keys to success for entrepreneurs. How can someone be successful as an entrepreneur? Well, I would say that the keys are to do the research, make sure you do something you're passionate about or care about. You'll find out quickly whether you're working for somebody else or especially if you're working for yourself. If you're not really interested, you know, let's say you hear there's this great opportunity to open up a hardware store, but you don't know rats about hardware and don't care, you're probably not going to succeed. It's always important to do something you're passionate about or care about. Then do your research, as I mentioned. These days, it's a lot easier than it used to be. But uh, research on the di different companies, learn about your competition, go out and talk to people. And then, like they always say in the restaurant business, it's location, location, location. So a lot of people these days can do a home-based business or an online business. And that's one thing. But if you're going to have a brick and mortar business, where you put that is so important. For example, for over a decade, I own an insurance agency and I was able to get a brick and mortar location right off the freeway on a main drag next to a McDonald's. So the traffic and the vision of my little dinky insurance agency was a great way to build business because I was right there in front of people. The other thing that I would share, Curtis, is that a lot of people think you have to have a lot of money to open a business. And yeah, if you think you're going to open a million dollar restaurant, you better have a million five or two million to do it. But all my businesses, I open by the seat of my pants. I am not good with money. <laughs> and uh, so all these companies, I never had a bank load of money to open them. I just kind of did it. And what you learn is the art of working with people and making deals. So when I opened the construction company, I had a friend that had a couple bucks and he bought the paint machine and another friend that had a van and I made them partners. And the three of us opened up the little construction company, the comedy club. I found a restaurant that had a banquet room and I made a deal with the owner. Let me use the room for free. He would get the food and drink sales. I would get the door and I would go in every day and tear down his banquet, set up my comedy club, do my show, and then tear down my comedy club. Trust me, it's a lot of hard work. Anytime you want to own your own business, be prepared. It's like a marriage. It's half your life and you're going to be putting all your time and energy into it to make it succeed. But if you're passionate and you do that and you work hard, success is there for you. Tell us about any current coming projects that you're working on that we need to know about. Oh, well, thanks for asking, Curtis. What I'm doing is I'm trying to take all this information, my history in stand-up comedy, and I'm putting it together into kind of a, another business, but it's more like a hobby. I'm not doing it to make money, really, but I have a new online comedy course called Be a Stand-Up Comic or Just Look Like One. <laughs> I have a video membership site where you can see videos of Bob Saget, Dana Carvey, Paula Poundstone live on stage back when they were just getting started and before they were famous. And just this week, Curtis, your timing is great. 
My second book came out. It's called 20 Answers to Being a Stand-Up Comic. It just came out on Amazon this week. And I'm very excited about that coming out. And if any of your listeners are interested in a free copy, just have them email me at scottscomedystuff at gmail.com. Once again, scottscomedystuff at gmail.com. And if you're interested in stand-up comedy, this book will teach you how to be a success. And I'm happy to give you a free copy for listening to Curtis's podcast. Absolutely. Well, you just threw out some of your contact information. Give us that full contact information where we can go see these stand-up comedians before they got big and your social media, your website, and any way we can connect with you. Oh, that'd be great. No problem. Thanks, Curtis, for asking. So, yeah, I do have a website, www.scottscomedystuff.com. And you can find everything from the video membership to the online comedy course and my podcast, Stand Up Comedy, your host and MC, is there. But the new book, you're going to want to go to Amazon and just search for my name, Scott Edwards, or the title of the book, 20 Answers to Being a Stand Up Comic. And you'll find the book there for purchase. But as I said, I'm happy to uh, offer it as a gift. And then, of course, you can reach out to me through my podcast and my website at scottscomedyclub at gmail.com. So it all kind of ties in, but it's all about celebrating my 40 plus years on the fringe of show business, working with some of the famous and not so famous comics that I had a chance to share the stage with over those years. Hey, well, congratulations on all that. You got any final thoughts before we close it out? I just, one last story that I think your audience might enjoy. One of the great treats of being in the comedy business in the 80s and 90s was that I never had to pay him, but twice Robin Williams dropped into my club and performed one time over an hour on stage, entertaining a totally shocked and surprised audience. And this was after Mork and Mindy, and he was a huge success. And Robin Williams, with his genius and his energy and his love for stand-up comedy, he would literally drop into clubs like mine, perform for free, and totally share his gift with everybody. And I wanted to get that out there because uh, he was a comic genius, and it was real joy to be able to work with him. Ladies and gentlemen, Scott's Comedy Stuff. Please be sure to send him an email if you want a copy of that book. Also, follow, rate, review, share this to any other aspiring stand-up comedians. Also, Android listeners, go to the Google Play Store and download the Living the Dream with Curveball podcast app, Scott Edwards. Thank you so much for joining me today. Oh, it's been a pleasure. And ladies and gentlemen, let's keep supporting Curtis and the Living the Dream curveball podcast it's been wonderful thank you thank you for joining us thank you thank you for more information on the living the dream podcast visit www.djcurveball.com until next time stay focused on living the dream dream